Well, let's return in our Bibles to the book of Hebrews, please. Hebrews chapter number 11, as we continue our study through this, what has been a lengthy period of time in the book of Hebrews. We are now in chapter 11, and we are taking our time to look at the various individuals that God has given to us as examples of faith and how to live our lives by faith. And today we come to a man by the name of Enoch. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5 and 6 is our text this morning and I continue to or, or continue to remind you to follow along there in your worship guide as we fill out the notes together. Hebrews 11:5 by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. Think about that for a moment. This man named Enoch was taken away so that he did not experience death. And he was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, many of the people that we read about here in the 11th, chapters of, 11th chapter of Hebrews, and we, again, refer to it often as the, as the hall of faith, many of these individuals are, are people that we know. They're, they're prominent characters in the story of the Bible. We, we've heard of the name of Abraham, and we recognize Moses and the role that he played in the canon of Scripture. But, but then there are people like Enoch that we read about in Hebrews chapter 11. Someone that many of us know very little bit about. In fact, we might even refer to him as the, as the mystery man of Hebrews chapter 11. And, and of course, outside of this chapter, there's only really two other passages in the whole canon of Scripture that even tell us who Enoch was and what his life was about. And even those passages of Scripture are very brief in nature. Now, the first one is in Genesis chapter 5. You might want to flip over there and read these four verses with me. Genesis chapter 5 introduces us to Enoch. In Genesis 5 and verse 21, here's what the Bible says. Enoch, and this is the same Enoch that we read about in Hebrews 11, by the way. Genesis 5, 21, Enoch lived 65 years and then begat Methuselah, all right? 65 years old and has his first son, Methuselah. Now, verse 22 says, after he begat Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not. For God took him. All right, that's what we know about Enoch from Genesis chapter 5. He was a very, very old man. 
He lived on this earth for 365 years. And you're thinking to yourself, how is this even possible? Let me just remind you for just a few moments, it wasn't because he used essential oils. (laughs) This was during the pre-flood era of the world. And in the history of the world, during the pre-flood era, people lived longer lives. And Enoch was one of those who lived 365 of those years. I want you to put this into perspective because sometimes we hear just a number, all right, 365. But I want you to put it in perspective. If Enoch had been taken up into heaven this year in 2021, by the way, this would be a good year to be taken up into heaven, wouldn't it? Had Enoch been taken up into heaven in 2021 this year, that would mean that he was born in the year 1656. A lot has happened even in the founding of this country since the time he would have lived. Three and a half centuries Enoch lived on this earth. Now, if you think that's crazy, his son Methuselah, and I always get tripped up at these Bible names, right? You know, Who names their son Methuselah? Now, if your name's Methuselah, I apologize. I'm sorry, but it's just not common for me, all right? And even like, you know how I am. When I'm teaching through books of the Bible and I come with a really long name like this, I like to give them a nickname, but the nickname for Methuselah doesn't work because what's short for Methuselah is meth, and I don't want to call him meth, all right? But but let's just take, he's a really old guy, all right? 969 years, Enoch's son Methuselah lived on the earth. And he lived on the earth. He was the longest man to ever live. And we read about that in the same chapter, Genesis chapter 5. So, so this, is, this is the first thing we know about Enoch, a really old man that lived a really long time. But in Genesis chapter 5, verse 22, it notes, now this is interesting to me, that it was after, after he had Methuselah, after he and his wife gave birth to Methuselah, which was at the age of, 65, imagine you 60 and older for a moment, if you're having your first child at 65 years old, when the prospect of adopting Jaden bounced before us, I was thinking, how in the world am I going to do this? I am 40 years old. I cannot, I cannot do this. Of course, God had other friends. All right, 65 years old, 65 years old, he has his first child. Now, the scripture indicates that it was after having Methuselah that he began to walk with God. Uh, If you have your Bible open to Genesis 5, look at it there in verse 22. After he begat Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years. And during that 300 years of walking with God, he had more sons and daughters. So, So think about this for a moment. Not only does this highlight that there was a distinct time in Enoch's life when he wasn't walking with God, that's the first 65 years, but that there was also a distinct time in which he did walk with God. For 65 years, he did not walk with God. He did not please God. He did not put faith in God. But for 300 years, he did. So that's one thing that's clear to us is that there are, there are two volumes to Enoch's life, if you will, two distinct time periods that the Bible identifies for us, the time in which he did not walk with God and the time in which he did walk with God. But it also seems to indicate here that it was after he had 
children that he began to walk with God. Now the question is, is that significant? Now I personally think so. Because having children opens our eyes to how much we don't know about life. How many times has Kathleen and I said on many, many occasions, you know, we were, we were arrogant know-it-alls before we had children. You know, saying things like, my kids are never going to do that, or they're never going to go here, or my kids are never going to run around the auditorium, and if you're here on Wednesday nights, they're always running around the auditorium. We think we know how to parent. We think we know about life. But what, what happens when kids come along, we, we look at them, and here's what we began to discover. We're just like them. So the things that frustrate us about them, the Holy Spirit reminds us that you are just as impatient as they are. You are just as bitter as they are. You are just as selfish as they are. And we began to realize through the gift of children, that we are weak, sinful, and inadequate people. So could it be that with Enoch, as it is with many of us, that when Methuselah was born, he decided to get serious about walking with God, recognizing how he needed God in order to be a parent, How that he needed God in order to raise his sons and daughters and the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He needed God's wisdom, God's grace. He he needed God's help in the matter. I think perhaps that may be the case. We don't know for sure, but the Bible's very clear here that there was a distinct time in which he did and a distinct time in which he didn't. And that distinct period is brought to light by the fact that he started having kids. And by the way, as a pastor, I deal with young couples on a regular basis, even this week, who have sat in my office who say to me, Pastor, we are ready to start living for God. And what is an equal part of each of those situations is they've just recently had children for the first time. So I think God does this oftentimes in our lives to wake us up to the reality that you thought you were doing good on your own. You thought you could figure out life just together as a couple. But I'm going to bring something into your life to show you that you actually need me more than you think you do. And perhaps that was the testimony of Enoch. What we do know is that there are these two distinct periods of time in his life. A time in which he did not walk with God 65 years and a time in which he did walk with God 300 years. A time when he had no faith and a time when he lived by faith. And the truth of the matter is, all of us in this room this morning, our lives are going to be told by that distinction. For example... If your life is told as a book, and that book were to contain volumes in it, you're either still living in volume one of your life's book, which is, I'm not walking with God. I am not saved, a Christian. I'm not pleasing God. I've not put my faith in God. 
Or there are those of us here who already have two volumes of the book. We can always point back to, all right, here's when I wasn't walking with God. Here's when I didn't know God. Here's when I didn't trust him. Here's when I didn't identify with his death, burial, and resurrection. But there was a day in which I put my faith in Jesus. And now volume two of my life is I am walking with God. And I am pleasing God. And I am saved by his grace. And I have put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The question this morning is, do you? have two distinct volumes in your life? Do you have two distinct period of times? Has there been a time when you did not know Jesus, but now you do and forever will? Or are you still living here? To be honest with you, Pastor, I, I don't know if there's ever a time I have walked with God. I don't know if there's ever been a time in my life where I have put faith in Jesus. It seems to me that I'm I'm living over here in volume one. Now, Genesis 5 gives us that description. There is another New Testament description of where Enoch was and what he did. And you find that in the book of Jude, if you want to flip over there really, really quickly. Uh, The book of Jude, there's only two verses, and it tells us not only who Enoch was, but kind of what Enoch was known for. In the book of Jude, verses 14 and 15, it says this, now... Enoch, the seventh from Adam. That's how we know we're talking about the same Enoch from Genesis chapter 5. Because in Genesis chapter 5, when you chase the lineage down, we find that he's the seventh generational separation from Adam. So now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, here's what he did. He prophesied. He preached about these men saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. To execute judgment on all. To convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds. Which they have committed in an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So not only do we discover that Enoch was a man who walked with God. But Jude tells us that for three centuries, for 300 years, Enoch was a man who preached the coming judgment of God. And he was a bold preacher because he preached against the wrath of God, or or rather, he preached that the wrath of God and judgment of God was going to come against ungodly people. Did you notice how many times he used the word ungodly in Jude 15? Let me read it to you again. Just think about it. He's going to execute judgment on all who are ungodly of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners speak against God. What does it mean to be ungodly? It means to reject God, to reject Jesus as Lord and Savior, to not put your faith in God, to say that my way or my reasoning and my direction in life, the sin that I so much enjoy is more important to me than the truth of who Jesus Christ is. That is what ungodliness is. It is not to follow God. And so here for 300 years, Enoch is preaching against the coming judgment of God on all of those who refuse to follow him. So outside of Hebrews 11, that's all we know about Enoch. He lived a very long life as an old man, 365 years, but we have a very brief record of him in Scripture. Yet... We open up Hebrews chapter 11, 
And his faith is highlighted in a memorable way as an example for us today. And I want you to see his faith with me. Three things that I wrote down as a way to help me understand what's going on here in verses 5 and 6. Here's the first one. Number one, his miracle. His miracle. We see the miracle back in Hebrews chapter 11. So you may be in Jude or Genesis. I'm not sure if you're catching up with me or not. But where I'm at right now is Hebrews, all right? So let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, verse number 5 says, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. So twice we see that Enoch has been taken. The same language is used back in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 24. And Enoch was not, that is, he, he's absent, he's gone missing, for God took him. Took him. He was taken, he was taken away, God took him. And the question is, took him where? And where did God, or why did God take him, and how did God take him? Well, Enoch was taken from this earth. He was snatched up. He was raptured, taken away from this earth. Now, I don't know what his normal daily routines would have been, but I'm sure whatever that was, it was quickly noticed that Enoch wasn't around. Now, some of you have routines. In fact, if, if you live in a subdivision of any kind and you can see your neighbors, you kind of figure out what everybody's routines are, right? You know when the garage door is going to open across the street because that's when he leaves and goes to work every day. And you know when this individual is going to walk their dog because you're going to see them walking around your front window because that's when they walk their dog every day. Some of you have those special routines. You, 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 you get your coffee at a certain place a certain time. Maybe, maybe that was the case for Enoch. I don't know. Maybe he got up on this morning at 5 o'clock in the morning like he does every day and, and put a leash on his dog and walked Fido out there around town. And maybe, maybe he met his buddies at McDonald's. After all, he was 365 years old, and so he was already getting cups of coffee for 50 cents at this time. So maybe he met his buddies at McDonald's and talked about the newspaper, drank a cup of coffee. Maybe, maybe, maybe then he would go out on the street corner because he's known for his preaching and he would preach against ungodliness and the coming judgment of God. And it just so happened one day his neighbor looked out and Enoch's not walking his dog. Oh, that's strange. His buddies meet at McDonald's for pancakes and coffee and Enoch never shows up. The people in the downtown market who are constantly walking by. I mean, there are those who love his preaching. There are those who are praying for him while he's preaching. And then there are those who just can't stand his preaching. But everybody knows he's down there preaching. But on this particular day when they walk downtown, he is nowhere to be found. Something is not right. And the miracle of all of this is that God took Enoch without Enoch ever experiencing death. Now, man, what a way to go. To be snatched up in the presence of God without having to take a final breath. Without ever having to die. That's why this is such a miracle. And outside of Jesus' ascension to heaven after his own death and resurrection, this had only happened to one other person. Elijah. 2 Kings chapter 2 
Elijah was taken up into heaven by a whirlwind. And let me tell you how awesome Elijah's experience was. It says a fiery chariot ushered him up into heaven through this whirlwind. What a way to go, man. I'm telling you, don't bring a hearse. Bring a fiery chariot to my departure when I go. Elijah never died. Enoch never died. They were miraculously, miraculously taken by God, snatched out, raptured away from this earth. Now, we don't know how it happened. We just know it happened. One day, he's walking with God and took a step on the dusty ground of earth when his very next step was taken in the perfect glory of heaven while never experiencing the darkness of death. And it's amazing, really, when you study the lineage of it. I, I know I'm taking you all over the place, but just hold your place in Hebrews 11. I want you to go back to Genesis chapter 5, all right? And don't say it's hard to find. Genesis is the first book of the Bible, all right? Just go and then count to five, all right? Genesis and then one, two, three, four, five, all right? Genesis chapter five. I want you to see this because what we have here is the family of Adam. We have the lineage of the first people. And after every one of them, Genesis chapter five tells us the same thing. They lived a certain number of years and then they died because that's what everybody does. The Bible says it's appointed unto men, human beings, to die. We live and we die. We live and we die. That's the normal cycle of creation. We live and to die. Okay? Look at it. We, we, we begin with, uh, uh, with Adam. In verse number 5. So all the days of Adam, he lived were 930 years and he died. All right? Verse 6. Seth lived 105 years and begat Enosh. After he begat Enosh, Seth lived 807 years. And then verse 8 says... And after, he lived, and after the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. All right? Verse 11 says, all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. Uh, verse 14 says, all the days of Canaan were 910 years, and he died. Verse 17, all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years, and he died. Verse 20, all the days of Jared were 962 years. Lord, I hope not. That's my brother. I don't want my brother to live that long. 962 years, and he died. So, so we got this pattern, and all of a sudden we get to verse 24. Or excuse me, verse 23. All the days of Enoch were 365 years, and he died. No. Everybody else died, but not Enoch. No. All the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, because God took him. God took him. So... Everyone died. Enoch did not die. He was miraculously and instantaneously taken from this earth to God. Now, let, let me tell you something that the New Testament teaches us. He won't be the last one to ever experience such a miracle. There is coming a day, and only God knows when, where, and who. That people who are alive on this earth at the coming of Christ will be taken up with him. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. 
The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we who are alive, that is, those of us who have not died, we will be caught up. We will be taken away. We will be snatched up together with the Lord in the clouds, and thus we will always forever be with the Lord. And then he says in verse 18, comfort one another with these words. That there is coming a day on God's calendar in which there will be a select group of people who will experience the same miracle that Enoch experienced. It was a miracle. So we see the miracle of Enoch. Uh, Write down number two, his testimony, his testimony. We see the testimony of Enoch. Verse five, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this, now notice this word, testimony. He had this testimony, important word here. Testimony, commendation. What does it mean to have a testimony? It means to bear witness of something. If I am testifying on behalf of an incident that occurred, I am bearing witness to the reality of that incident. But the Bible teaches us that all of us have a testimony. All of our lives are bearing witness to something. To something. Enoch, his life bore witness to the fact that he, that he walked with God. He pleased God. That's what it says in verse 5. He had this testimony. What was his testimony? That he pleased God. So that was his reputation. That was his testimony. That's what his life bore witness to. That when people heard the name Enoch, they immediately thought, Enoch is a man who walks with God. He is a man who pleases God. Now listen to me very carefully today, church. We all have a testimony. All of us. And we need to nurture that testimony to please the Lord. To glorify him. You see, if you've lived your life in volume one, not walking with God, not pleasing him, not putting faith in God, and then there comes a day in with your life that you have decided, I'm going to follow Jesus. I believe he's Lord and Savior. I've put my faith in Jesus. And you begin volume two, which is I am now walking with God. That You have a testimony. And the testimony is you were brought from death to life, from darkness to To light from not knowing God to knowing God. From from being an enemy of Christ to being in Christ. That's our testimony. And we all have a testimony. Now it do us some good with that reminder that we make sure that we're not hurting our testimony. That what we are known for is walking with God. Pleasing God. Being men and women of faith. What do you assume that people think when they hear your name? Oh, now she, she is a godly woman. Oh, that brother, he walks with God. That family, man, every time I see that family, I think they just love to please 
God. That's how people thought of Enoch. He had this testimony. He bore witness to the reality that he was a man who walked with God. I'm afraid sometimes in this life, especially over the last 18 and 20 months, where we've really let our guard down spiritually, that people know us more for who we would rather have to be president than who we know to be king. People know us more on what we think about a vaccine than we do the blood of Jesus Christ. People know us more for our opinions on the mass than they do that we are committed and devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. What's your testimony today? And I'll be honest with you, I'm the first to admit, I have to, I have to nurture that to make sure that my motives are right. That I'm being filled with the Spirit in a way that my walk with God is what it ought to be. I'm most tested when I'm at the ball field with my kids. I mean, you know that it's one of my favorite things to do. I, one of my favorite things to do as a dad is to, to be with my kids and to coach them no matter what they're playing. And I want to tell you right now, Keegan's baseball team is pretty good. And uh, we went from like 0-10 last year <laughs> to we're like undefeated right now. And yesterday I had one of those days, I'm going to be honest with you, where um, I, I am not one of these coaches who says we're out here to have fun. No, forget that. We're not out here to have fun. <laughs> we're out here to score runs and take names, all right? That's what we're going to do. So you don't, ever, you don't hear me grab the kids, don't matter whether we win or lose. If one of my assistant coaches ever tell my kids that I fire them right there. It does matter whether we win or lose. And that bad part of my makeup has a tendency for buttons to be pushed in a way that if I'm not careful, my testimony being out there as a believer, as a pastor, as one who says he walks with God, could be questioned. Like it was potentially yesterday when the other coach was being a little bit more hot-headed than I prefer when the umpire had never umpired Coach Pitt's 7-8 baseball before and he missed a couple plays. There was a couple times I'm sitting at the dugout and Tom's out at third base and he's staying cool. And my other assistant's staying cool and I'm out there just, I can't, I can't, I can't. I want to, but I can't. At one point I came very close. In fact, I threw my glove down and took a step and then this still small voice, Said, hey, you know, you know, Bill over there, your assistant coach that helps you at first base. Do you remember right before the game when he and his wife agreed to come to church with you next Sunday? Let it go, Pastor. I don't know that we do as good a job as guarding our testimonies the way that we ought to do. But one thing was for sure. Everyone who knew Enoch knew him as a man who walked with God. Walked with God. Now we're using that phrase, walk with God and please God. I want you to understand this. I don't have time to go into the nuances of it because in Hebrews chapter 11 it says that he pleased with God. But in Genesis chapter 5 it says Enoch walked with God. Understand that the book of Hebrews 
was written from the Greek Septuagint. So he's, he's using Greek language to speak to Hebrew people. It would be very much like us saying the same word in English and Spanish, but it's translated in two different nuances, two different words, but they mean the same thing. So we don't have a... Uh, different distinction here between walking and pleasing God. They mean the same thing. The two phrases are one and the same. That is, he pleased God by walking with him. And by walking with God, he pleased the Lord. If my wife and I go on a walk together, there, there is a pleasure that comes with that. And she knows. She knows that if she wants to get me to open up and to talk, she has to take me on a walk. I'm like a dog. You put a leash on him, you take him around the street, he'll open up and talk. I'm sitting in my recliner in front of the ball game or a book or whatever. I don't open up too much. But if she can get me out there on a walk, then I just, I open up and let it fly. And so when we go on these walks together, there's a pleasure that comes with it. There's, of course, the the nearness of her presence. We're we're together. We're together. No matter where we're walking or what's going on, we're just happy to be together. Of course, there is unity of our direction. We're going the same way. We're taking steps on the same path, walking the right direction. Of course, there's communion in our relationship. I talk to her. She talks to me. And that's what it means to walk with God, to enjoy the fellowship of communion with God. God, that as I walk with him, it it pleases him. There's the nearness of God's presence. There's the unity of our direction. I'm I'm going the same way God is going, not rebelling against that or fighting against that. I'm, I'm walking his direction. And of course, we're talking. He's talking to me through his word, and I'm talking to him through prayer. And so God says, when you walk with me, that pleases me. But understand, this walk with God that pleases God, it can only happen one way. And that is by faith. Let's not lose sight that this is the hall of faith. And that the very first two words of verse 5, that Enoch did all of these things by faith. That is, he was raptured out by faith. He walked with God by faith. He had this testimony by faith. And listen, it is not faith in my ability to walk with him. I can't walk with him in my own strength. You cannot walk with God in your own strength. You think you can keep up with God on your own? No, he'll outwalk you every time. So it's not about in my ability and strength to be able to do it, but it's in what Christ has permitted me to do, that by virtue of his death on the cross and his resurrection back from the dead, he now allows me to walk with God at his pace. Thanks be to God for that. Because that doesn't happen without faith. And Enoch bore witness of his true faith by walking with God and pleasing God. What a wonderful thought. Listen to me, church. And maybe you're visiting with us today. Maybe you've been visiting for a while and you're trying to figure all this whole stuff out. Listen, I want you to hear me. God wants to walk with you. Does that not blow your mind? That the holy, righteous God of heaven wants to...
to walk with us. And the way that we enjoy that walk is by faith in Him. And before I get to the last point, let me remind you, some of you are thinking, yeah, that's all nice. You know, there's probably not a lot going on there at the beginning of the world. It was a little bit more easier to walk with God. You didn't have television. Hollywood didn't exist. And we don't know how many drugs were around and all this kind of stuff. I mean, pastor, it was just, just a lot easier. But let us remember the historical setting in which Enoch had this testimony. Because for 300 years, Enoch walked with God. For 300 years, he pleased God, not in a world where everything was right and holy. In fact, the world, by biblical proportions, was in worse shape than it is today. It was during a terrible time in which God chose to destroy it through the flood because it was so evil. So I ask you again, why do you think it's so hard for you to walk with God today? To please God now. Let us not blame it on the evil that is around us. Let us not blame it on the culture that's trying to raise our families. Let us say like Enoch, God may destroy this world in my lifetime, but I can still walk with him and I can still please him if I simply trust him. Trust him. You see, the flood happened in Genesis chapter 6. Enoch walked with God in Genesis chapter 5. He pleased the Lord. And he pleased the Lord, well, the Lord when the world was so depraved, so evil, God said, I'm just going to start all over. Oh, friend, you can walk with God. It doesn't matter your influences. It doesn't matter your dynamic, where you work, the, the temptations. It does not matter. You can walk with God. Whatever the first 65 years Whatever the first 65 years is like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can have this testimony that I walk with God. His testimony, his miracle, thirdly, his sermon, his sermon. And I wrote this in here when we come to verse number six because it's very similar to Abel's situation, right? We looked at Abel a couple of weeks ago, and the very last phrase of verse number four tells us that though he is dead, he still speaks so Abel preached a sermon, and we looked at the sermon that Abel was preaching based upon the record of Hebrews 11.4 and Genesis chapter 4. Well, now we, we come and we see the same thing from Enoch, even though Enoch has been snatched out of this world, and he's been in the presence of God for a very long time. He is still preaching, and he has a sermon for us today. Here it is in verse 6. He's saying to us, without faith, it's impossible to walk with God. It's impossible to please God without faith. That is, real fellowship with God cannot exist without faith in God. And by the way, it doesn't say that without faith it is difficult to please Him. It says without faith it is impossible to please Him. It is impossible to walk with God unless we put our faith in Him. So it's not our good works. It's not our keeping of the law that pleases God. It's faith and faith alone that allows us to enter into this fellowship. And it's faith that allows us to walk in step with God. And for us, that is faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in His righteousness. Faith in what He has done because we could never do it. In fact, without faith, not only is it impossible to please God, but without faith, it is impossible to escape the wrath of God. 
You see, you may not think this is a big deal, this two volumes, this two distinct periods of life. But if all you live is in period one, then one day you will wake up and stand before a God who will judge your sin. But those of us who are walking in volume two, that is, we have come from death to life, we realize that our sin will never be judged. You know why? Because God has already judged it. He judged it in his son Jesus when he died on the cross. And so when he sees me, he does not see my sin. He sees his son Jesus. He doesn't see my unrighteousness. He sees his son's righteousness. He doesn't see my ungodliness. He sees his son's godliness. And the question is this morning, are you going to put your faith in Jesus or are you going to keep trusting yourself? Because if you keep trusting yourself, you will never escape the wrath of God. But if you will just this morning turn to Jesus and say, man, I don't know what all this means. Now, I don't even own a Bible. But I believe that God died on the cross for me. And I want to trust him that, my friend, I'm telling you right now that Jesus Christ will forgive you of every sin you've ever committed. He will write your name in his eternal book in heaven. And you can know for sure whether you go like Enoch or not. When it's done on earth, it is forever with Jesus. Faith. Faith. He said, well, Pastor, what do I got to, do I got to give to the church? And Nothing. You can't buy your way into heaven. Well, do, do I need to join the church? That'll come in time. But you can join this church and still go to hell. No, it's, it's faith. It's faith. And this is the sermon. This is the sermon. In fact, it, it, it's, it's a three-point sermon again, just like Abel. I don't know how this happens. But just write these down. Here's what Enoch is saying. You may come to God. You may come to God. This is what he's preaching to you today. You can come to God. God wants you to come to him. He wants you to walk with him. Look at it there in verse 6. For he who comes to God. Can you believe that? We get to come to God. In fact, Jesus said, all those who come to me, John chapter 6 and verse 37. All those who come to me, I will never turn away. I'll never cast out. That means even after you've come to him and you still mess up. God doesn't save you for the person that you are going to become. He saves you for who you are right now. Right now. So come to him as you are. Just as I am without one plea. Just coming to Christ as I am, knowing that God wants me just like this. Yes, he wants you just like this. And I'm telling you, when you come to him, you will feel the warm embrace of a loving, merciful God who will change your life in ways you never thought possible. You can come to God. The second point of his sermon is that when you come to him, you have to come to him by faith. Okay? Can't, can't come to him with your money, expecting it. Okay? Can't come to him with your past religion. Whether you grew up Catholic, Mormon, Baptist, or none, makes no difference. You can't come to him bringing that with you because that means nothing to Jesus. You come to him one way, and that is by faith. 
by faith. Notice what he says there in verse 6. Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Must believe that he is what? It must believe that he is everything he said he was. I don't, I don't know everything in this book. You know, my wife told me a story yesterday during her devotional time. She said, do you remember the story about Jacob and his daughter and everything? And I, I look at it and say, I, I don't. I don't remember that story at all. That's why I recently told me, said, Pastor, I'm waiting to come to Christ because I, I just, I look around and I see all the church family, they're just turning in their Bibles everywhere and they're, they're doing it so quickly and you get up there, you're just spitting out verses and telling all these things about God and I guess, I just, I want to be confident like you and then, then I'll come. Like, no, 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 that, that doesn't, don't wait for that because none of us are confident. I'm still learning the Bible. There's still things about him I do not know. I am growing. I am changing every day of my life until Jesus comes. He is molding me into his image. No, friend, you come to him believing, hey, I accept that book as God's word. I believe that God is real. I believe he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins. And I don't know everything else about it, but I do know this. I want Jesus as my Lord. And I want Jesus as my Savior. And the Bible says that's all. All the faith that you need. Let God take care of the rest. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord in faith will be saved. You come to God. You can come to him. But you gotta, the condition is you got to come to him by faith. And then the last point. You who do come to him by faith, you're going to receive his blessings of grace. You see, it is by grace we are saved through faith. Because of our faith in Christ, God blesses us with his grace. He blesses us with his grace. That's the last phrase of verse 6. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Isn't that the story of Enoch? A man for 300 years walked with God and pleased God in a culture and time where it was filled with evil and violence and darkness. But Enoch resisted giving in. He made a decision. I'm going to live by faith. And he gave his life to God. And he walked with God every day. He sought God every day. And he became rewarded with the blessing of God. His reward, snatched out. Can you imagine what that conversation went? Maybe God one day woke up and said, Hey, Enoch, uh, make sure you have your good walking shoes on. We're going to walk a little further today. We're, we're going to change locations. Instead of me coming down to walk with you, how about you come up here and walk with me? What a blessing. What a grace. What a reward. And every person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, we may not leave this world that way, but we are promised the same grace that Enoch received. That's what our salvation is. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the Scripture alone, and for the glory of God alone. Friend, I want you to know as we close this out, God loves you more than anybody has ever loved you. He loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die. To die. Not just to clean up your mess. Not to come down here and fix it all and then go back. No, he sent him to die because that's the only way it could happen. And all he asked of you is be like Enoch. Come to me by faith, believing that if you come to me, I will reward you with blessing.
This is the grace of our God. And the question this morning is, do you believe? Are you trusting God? Are you walking with God? Let's take period number one, volume one, all this life I've lived without him. And let's turn it into a new book. A new life. Forget the old man. I want the love of Jesus. The grace of Jesus. Friend, if that's you this morning, right there where you said, all you got to do is cry out in faith to God. Lord, I'm sorry I'm a sinner. I want to walk with you. I want you to be pleased with me. I want to be rewarded with your grace. And I know I can't do that on my own. So I accept your son. And you know what God says? Come. I accept you because of my son, Jesus. Friend, if you have any questions about eternal life for Jesus, I want to help you. Today may very well be the day that we are. I don't know how it's going to happen. I just know I want to be ready for whatever God has planned. Are you ready? Let's stand together for prayer this morning.